8.03 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Thomas Drance from The Athletic is going to join us in just a second here. Uh, hour three of Halford and Bruff is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. You can do so by visiting them on the internet. The most trustworthy place, trustworthy place on earth. Campbell-Pound.com today. The old Irish tongue there. Let's go to the phone lines. We are joined by our next guest from The Athletic and the commissioner of my newly minted fantasy football league, Thomas Drance here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Drancer? Not much, gentlemen. How are you? Uh, we're good, thanks. Thanks for taking the time to do this. Uh, we just came to realize that you have a new piece up at The Athletic, Cap Gymnastics, Opportunity Cost, and Revisiting the Canucks Offseason, and you start with a question, a new way of doing business, and then you add that it's been a very conservative start to the Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin era in Vancouver. I would say that's an understatement. It's been a very, very conservative start <laughs> to the Alvin and Rutherford era. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, surprisingly, right? I, I, you consider that Rutherford averaged over a, a trade a month during the time that he was in Pittsburgh. And to this point, we've seen, you know, the Hamannick deal, the Travis Dermott deal, I guess the Tyler Mott deal. But it's been, you know, in, it, both in terms of the magnitude of the moves made uh, and, and the frequency, you know, this has been... Yeah, very, very conservative, I think, is, is fair to say. And the point I was really sort of making was that it's not just been conservative in terms of the moves themselves, but also the form that those moves have taken. And, and the point that I, I was really trying to drive home was when you look at the Mikhaev and the Besser contracts, which are the only deals that they've signed over a million dollars that are one-way contracts, right? Um even the even the um, structure of the contracts themselves was conventional, conservative, um, no signing bonus, relatively straight salary, small amounts of variability, YOY. Um, you know, even even that felt different from some of the ways that Vancouver has done their business in the past. Now there are benefits to that in terms of simplicity, in terms of you know, uh, avoiding lump sum payments to players in the form of signing bonuses. But there's also, for a supposed big revenue team, right, some value left on the table. Uh, with creative structural elements in standard player contracts, you can actually create value if you're willing to spend. Now, obviously, you can get yourself into trouble, too, right? We've seen with, you know, Louis Erickson's um, buyout-proof contract structure, right, that, that in fact... Um, it can, it can be difficult to get off of a mistake if you lean heavily on backloaded signing bonus, for example, the way that the Canucks did in, in doing the Erickson deal. And yet, they also were able to trade that contract in part because so much of the money had already been paid out on that deal, right? That at the end, there was like $1 million in salary left, $6 million cap it. That could be lumped together with a bunch of other uh, distressed assets and, and flip for some players that are clearly far better, even if the trade was ultimately, I think, ill-advised. And, and, and that's been clear now for, for at least eight months. Um, there's value created. Uh, the Tyler Myers deal is another, another interesting example, right? Following this season, when Myers will only have one year left, um, that last year he's going to have $5 million in signing bonuses and $1 million in salary. Well, 
once that $5 million signing bonus is paid, there's going to be a real value to getting off of a player with a $6 million cap hit, $1 million in salary due to him, and he's still capable of playing top four minutes, right? You can essentially, you know, I don't want to say circumvent the cap, but you can take a backdoor toward filling additional salary onto your roster and get paid to do it on the back end if you time it right as a big revenue team and how you structure these deals. Um, and the example that I sort of used was, was to use like a hypothetical Besser contract that I'd laid out a couple months ago. You know, if you structure that with some bonuses in place, um, it's more appealing to the players. You can lower the cap hit and then you can potentially uh, as a big revenue team, take advantage of your spending power um, by creating value. The Canucks have sort of decided not to do that. I'm sure they've got their reasons for it, but it's something that makes you wonder about an awful lot of things in terms of, um, you know, how that will impact Miller and Horvat negotiations, uh, how clear this organization is from some of the budget constraints that came with the pandemic and the lack of attendance. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to point all of that out because it's something that, you know, it qualifies perhaps as interesting only to me, but interesting nonetheless. Drance, when we get to training camp um, and decisions need to start uh, to be made about the roster, um, does the Canucks cap situation impact any of those decisions? And if so, what could some interesting players to watch in that regard be? Yeah, you know, it does for sure. Especially when you're as far above the $82.5 million upper limit as the Canucks are poised to be once they sort of get down to brass tacks. And I, I just sort of did a early, like a midsummer projection of, of what it could look like when the Canucks approach opening day and need to get cap compliant. And, and they'll effectively need to get cap compliant because the best way to maximize your catcher when Michael Furlan's contract goes on LTI, right, is to get right up against, like right as close as you can to $82.5 million, and then put him on LTI and then recall some of the guys you need to fill out your roster into that captured space. Um, there's other ways to go about it that are pretty similar, but, you know, the risk you limiting – the, the cap space you net. And again, LTI, such a complicated device, hard to write about, hard to cover. But, you know, when you understand sort of the rules and the rhythms of it, you, 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 you can begin to understand how important it is. Like you don't want to only get, you know, 2 million in ability to exceed the, the upper limit. Like you need the full 3.5 because that might matter if, trade possibilities come up or if an injury comes up, right? That, I mean, it could be really important. And as I sort of went through it, you know, one thing the Canucks are going to have an advantage in terms of constructing their roster and maximizing their capture is that you've got, you know, four players who are going to be waiver exempt um, and who we all expect to be on the 23-man roster in Andre Kuzmenko, Vasily Podkolzin, uh, Niels Hoaglander, and Jack Rathbone. However, bonuses are factored into um, sort of this capture or the way that they count on the cap after being reassigned once you've captured uh, in, in a pretty complicated way. And so, you know, as I sort of model it, and again, injuries can change this, trades can change this. It's way too early to really go through this exercise. But in terms of shaping uh, a plan A sort of recommendation for how the Canucks could, be, um, could effectively maximize their capture, 
uh, I ended up having to reassign four guys, like four guys, two on waivers, two guys reassigned, needed to be sort of sent below the line, as it were, um, on opening day, and then recalled following Furland uh, going on LTI with also uh, a player you know, who, who wouldn't necessarily make the teams, a guy we wouldn't consider to be a front runner to make the team, uh, kept on the roster for opening day uh, and, then, and then sent down, presumably, once the roster unfroze uh, from the perspective of reassignments. It's going to be complicated. And I, I really, more than anything, just wanted to go through the exercise to illustrate how many balls in the air teams have, how many factors shape organizational decision-making during training camp, even, even beyond like who's had a good camp, who's won a spot, right? I, I mean, it's so much more complicated at this level for organizations than that. And, you know, the last thing that I think it illustrates is just how difficult and crunchy things can get for the Canucks with how they're positioned. And, you know, it's exacerbated by the fact that going into the season, you know, I say they're 82 and a half or a million. And when I, when I sort of broke down their optimal um, 23 man roster with Fur before putting Furland on LTI, right? I have them at like 85.5 million, right? 3 million over the cap. But they're not really 3 million over the cap in terms of the players that they've accumulated. Part of the issue, actually, is that they're just always in LTI. And so you've got the Holak performance bonus, for example, 1.25 million uh, as an overage from last year. You've got. Um, you know, the Holtby buyout, the Vertanen buyout, still on the books. It's like $4 million in dead space uh, with some of that money coming as a direct result of the fact that the Canucks were in LTI. They could not uh, toll daily space throughout, through last season. They weren't able to accommodate Halak's bonus without going into LTI this season, without impacting this season's cap space. And now you look at, you know, sort of the four waiver-exempt guys that I talked about, and, you know, you've got... 850k in potential performance bonuses for both Kuzmenko and Pod Colson, and you've got an additional 300-ish k of potential performance bonuses for Niels Hoaglander. And so they're going to be riding in LTI again this season, barring a very late summer Michael Furlan trade, which you know we're not going to see. And there's a risk again of of some of those players hitting bonuses. I think the Canucks are going to need at least a couple of those guys to hit those bonuses if they're going to be as good as they need to be to, to be a playoff team. And when that happens, that's going to just roll over once yeah, again. Yeah, that affects right? next Fur season. Yeah. That further hit, hits. And it's just, you know, at, at some point that becomes tough if you're a team that wants to improve as rapidly as, you know, this organization seems to want this team to improve. And certainly – as, as rapidly as the fans in this city are hopeful that this team can improve. I, I just want you to know, Drancer, that Halford's eyes are so glazed over at this point Good. that he is legally blind. He what is, are we talking about is. again? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, boys, boys, these are my these are my late summer Vancouver Canucks. I was going to say, I feel, I feel bad skewering Drancer for this because we don't have a lot of Canucks stuff to talk about. You know what, though? I, I gonna, still don't understand LTI. I'm gonna, I I'm don't like, think. Is that what, that's, understand when it. that's when they're injured, right? That's <laughs> what they do with the money? Uh, okay, I'm going <laughs> to do an either-or classic sports radio mana here uh, for you. This is actually out of your article. Who gets more top six minutes this year, Ilya Mikheyev or Nils Hoaglander? Ilya Mikheyev, 100%, right? I mean, no question about it. And... The question, I mean, Mikhaev wanted more opportunity to play in prime offensive roles. It was a big part of 
the Canucks recruitment. It was a big part of what he prioritized in making his decisions as an unrestricted free agent. Now, you know, this is a guy who over the last three years played less than 105 on five minutes with Austin Matthews, right? Who played, you know, about 400 minutes with John Tavares, but was his, you know, fifth most frequent linemate, right? So on this, coming from this Maple Leafs organization that habitually throws uh, heavy press types with their skilled players. You think about Zach Hyman or, or Michael Bunting, right? Less skilled guys who do the work, but can complement top six guys. Mikhaev couldn't really eke out that role, right? That wasn't something he was able to do in Toronto. And, and you know, I, I think he wants that. That's, that's where he wants to play. He wants to show what he can do with skilled players, complementing skilled players. And it's something that he hasn't, really been able to crack to this point in his NHL career. Well, he's definitely going to get first dibs at doing it here. I mean, that's how it works, right? We've all seen sure. uh, yep. team makes yep. big commitment to player. Com- team, uh, uh, player then gets tons of opportunity to make sure that he, you know, proves worth it from that team. Uh, so we're going to see Mikhaev get that. But, you know, you bring in Mikhaev, you bring in Kuzmenko, you subtract nobody. Well, all of a sudden, you know, how do you put together a Canucks sort of forward lineup on a whiteboard or just in your head or on a napkin even and and have Niels Hoaglander if everyone's healthy anywhere but the fourth line right like mm-hmm. you know you you go through six wingers very quickly who you'd expect to play ahead of Hoaglander based on either the nature of their acquisition their skill set and and of course the way that Bruce Boudreau used Hoaglander last year I mean Kuzmenko Garland uh, Mikhaev Pearson Besser and I'm sure they're and Pod Colson, right? I mean, there you go. There's six names before you get to Hoagland. And so, you know, when teams get deeper, one thing that can be a little bit more complicated is managing, you know, the inevitable tension or conflict that occurs between a player's individual ambitions and what's best for the team. Right, and right. and I felt like Mikhaev and Hoaglander sort of typify that in a in a really interesting way because, you know, Mikhaev, I think, is likely to start in the top six. I, I tend to be a little bit lower on his offensive contributions than some, right? Like, I, I just, I, th- I think the world of the player, I, I love the way that he doesn't cheat for offense. I love the speed. Uh, he reminds me of some, some of my favorite guys, hardworking, really good penalty-killing, defensively reliable wingers, middle six wingers. I mean, if you've followed my work for long enough, you know that's like my favorite player type. Absolute mm-hmm. catnip in terms of how I analyze the game. But, you know, the the fact is is that Mikhaev's had some had some opportunities in that heavy press, you know, grinder guy in the top six complimenting skill players role. And, you know, has, I don't I don't know that he's got the finishing ability or the sort of east west creativity to necessarily fill that spot. I, you know, there is a chance that he ends up back on a third line. Well, especially given all the skill that Vancouver has on the wing. Well, how does that work in terms of what the player wants and how the player feels about it? Right. And, and similarly, you know, if you're Niels Hoaglander, you're going into a contract year, you've gone from being a top six fixture uh, to being a fourth liner in a span of 12 months, you know, that, that, it's going to require a certain level of delicacy in terms of managing the personalities involved. Um, you know, that it, it's just not simple. It's just not simple. And it's something that's going to be interesting to watch as training camp plays out. Wanted to point it out. 
Uh, is there a chance that Nils Hoglander, because he's still waivers exempt, uh, plays some games in Abbotsford this season? Yeah, I wonder about that. I wonder about that. I'd be surprised because, you know, you think about, you think about what Vancouver needs. Um, you know, if you could, if you could, like, what, what's Niels Hoaglander going to pick up in Abbotsford, considering what he's already accomplished in his NHL career? I mean, Niels Hoaglander has, like, 41 even-strength points since coming in the league. Yeah. Well, Horvat is 48. I know. And, and, and Horvat's played more games, right? I mean, he's sixth on the team in five-on-five scoring um, and seven points out of second, right? I, I mean, it's just that there's what, – what's he going to what's he gonna pick up there? versus what he well maybe some confidence if that's lacking yeah, maybe, sure but i mean or you could put him in a fourth line role presuming that that fourth line is heavily used right like so long as he's hitting 10 minutes a night and he's sort of counted on to drive the offense on a you know fourth energy line that include that's centered by a guy like lazar i mean that could be an interesting spot for him too right i i don't have I don't know the answer, but the Canucks have, you know, certainly enough voices in player development at this point that uh, that they'd that you'd hope they'd be able to come through, come to it, uh, you know, at least through the Socratic method. Drancer, this was great, man. Thanks a lot for doing this. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll do this again uh, not next Tuesday because we're not here, but the Tuesday after that when we get back from Labor Day. Sounds good, gentlemen. Enjoy the rest of August, and uh, we'll chat with chat with you soon. Sounds good, bud. Thanks. Appreciate it. That's Thomas right. Drance from the Athletic Vancouver here on the Alfred and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Did Drancer drop a Socratic method right at the end of that? I don't know. I glazed over again. How much of that interview did you actually listen to? I paid intently? attention to the first bit of uh, who's going to get more top six minutes, Mikhaev or uh, <laughs> Hoaglander, and then I... Can you yeah. repeat what he said about the, the, the salary cap and the overages and the performance bonuses and LTI and Furlan's mm. contract? Because I didn't catch that. I was Halford's wondering good if you for a solid 90 that. seconds yeah. at the beginning of the interview. <laughs> that's it. He that is, first 90 seconds is gold. That's why he loves TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> it's quick. <laughs> Just moves along real fast. Um, get your what we learns in. we got to fire through some of this stuff. We will do ours on the other side, Jason and I, of course. Do we want to... Leaner, a dog. Do you guys have what we learned? If I throw you on the spot, do you have enough time sure, coming back? I got from... one. Lena's giving me the "I don't want to do this" face. Is that a yes or a no? Sorry, what? say that again. Is that a yes or a no? That's a maybe. That's a maybe. Why don't Very we just do? Maybe. Why don't we just do this breaking news out of the NBA? Sure, as let's it do that. Relates now, okay. to Kevin Durant. Sportsnet six fifty breaking news. Kevin Durant ain't getting traded. Brooklyn Nets just tweeted out a few moments ago, I think it was on behalf of general manager Sean Marks, that Marks along with, now let me get this straight, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant's agent, and the Nets owner, Joe Sy, they all met in Los Angeles and they all agreed to continue the partnership, I believe is how it was phrased on Twitter. Move forward with our partnership. There you go. Uh, in the layman's terms, that means, hey, Kevin... You asked for a trade. We tried to trade you. It ain't going to happen. We're getting real close to training camp. Put on your uniform and Durant saying, fine. And that's kind of how that went. Do you think this was just they couldn't, couldn't move get him. the value? Well, I think he was movable. Couldn't move him for the prices they wanted. Yeah, for example, yeah. the Raptors weren't going to include Scotty Barnes in a trade. So, And I imagine a lot of teams were in a similar situation. Like, we'll give you something but it's not going to be our best young player this doesn't really resolve anything 
because all this does is tell Kevin Durant that you're going to be a Brooklyn net to start the season. We've seen that with a bunch of players where they start the seasons in situations where they don't want to be in. It can get real ugly. Uh, James Harden in Houston is the most recent one that I can remember. Well, KD is now, uh, according to this release, he's on board, though. I don't think – was James Harden ever on board officially with You know, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but sometimes in the NBA, guys will change their minds almost at a moment's notice and decide, I'm done with this. The the star players get real power hungry. And I think what ends up happening is once they realize that they can control the situation to the degree that they can. Yeah, but he can't. Sure can. He, he's going to try and gain weight. He could. Like James Harden. I mean, it'd be hard. <laughs> but he could do it. I mean, this goes back to Vince Carter in Toronto. We, I mean, they, James Harden wasn't the first one to do it. And he ain't going to be the last. Yeah. It's a league where if you want to sit there and say, yeah, you think you got the upper hand? You think you're calling the shots? No, I'm calling the shots. You can make that happen. Vince Carter played his way out of Toronto by not trying very hard. And he got his wish. And, it, mm-hmm. and then from there... A lot of guys have done it. The playbook is there. Now, is Durant wired that way? I don't know. The Shams Shams Trani report that came out a couple weeks ago was, I mean, it was real cut and dry. It was that Durant said, you either trade me or you fire Steve Nash and Sean Marks. And then all the stuff started to unravel and unfold that maybe it wasn't Durant that handpicks Steve Nash as the head coach. And maybe Kevin Durant doesn't believe that Sean Marks is the kind of executive that can put this team over the top. Whatever the case, that was the report two weeks ago. I find it hard to believe that in those two weeks, they managed to convince Kevin Durant that, no, you should believe in Steve Nash as the head coach, and no, you should believe in Sean Marks as the general manager. I just think they said, look, we got a set price for what we wanted if we're going to trade you. We can't get it because there's only a handful of teams that could bring you on. You're going to be a net now. What are you going to do? On paper, could the Nets still be a good team? Yes, very much so. Yeah. But it depends if Kyrie Irving wants to play more than 40 to 60% of the team's games for whatever reason. What about Simmons? Vaccination and otherwise, I have no idea what to expect. Yeah. You know? what? I mean, he's not played a single game with the team. Theoretically, it should work. Mm-hmm. They have a non-ball dominant guy they can get Durant and Kyrie the ball where they want to score. And yeah, he can, he's like, I'll get it to you. I don't even want it. Don't like shooting. <laughs> don't want to do that. So theoretically, it could work. <laughs> but, the, I mean, I, the questions, it's funny, because the questions that Durant has and the things that he's talking about aren't Kyrie and Simmons. It's Nash and Marks, right? So yeah. that, to me, the, the talent level is obviously there. I think there were some issues. Well, I wonder if it's a slow start, if it's not. KD forcing his way out. It's just the Nets firing Nash. I mean, there's a lot of different ways it can go. Yeah. Right? Firing the coach is always an easy answer, you know? And you can, here's the thing, you can torpedo your play to force a trade. You can also torpedo your play to fire, get a coach fired. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And then what happens? New coach comes in, you turn it around, and you start winning basketball games, and all of a sudden, you got what you wanted. And everyone's happier except for Steve Nash. Well, the, this kind of ruined my what we learned on the other side, so I'm going to have to quickly find a new one. Okay, E-Dog's got one, and Lena's still in the maybe category. My, mine was going to be that the Memphis Grizzlies are in on Kevin Durant. Not anymore. Well, maybe. Who knows? We'll have to see. Like I who said, knows? these things can all change in a day's moment. Or You're, on the other side of the break. Uh, what we learned is coming up next, so text them into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. 
Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol. Up, yes, I am. Scoop up, heebie jeebie, a too. You could be a up too. 8.33 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Brough, Sportsnet 650. This feels too lyric-y to be unlicensed music. Michael, please, they're bebopping. Let the okay. woman bebop and skedaddle. Okay. Bring it up. Andy is going to turn this show into every day is Big Band Day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big Band Friday. It happens to be Big Band Wednesday today. Uh, Halford and Ralph for the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Jason, did you know that Delari's five days to save sale is on right now? I did not, but okay. now I know. Uh, August 23rd to 27th only. So we're smack in the middle of it. Get this $500 gas card with every pre owned vehicle that you purchase. So if you purchase two vehicles, you get $1,000 in free gas. You can fill up twice. Once. <laughs> <laughs> uh, visit them today, North Shore Acura, Acura of Langley and Burrard Acura on Terminal Avenue. We are in Hour 3 of the program. Hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com. Today, I did my what we learned prior to going to break. You have one, and a dog a dog has one. Why don't you go, bruv? Uh, I, I learned that I'm going to Nat Bailey Stadium today. To watch the Vancouver Canadians, and if you still want to get out to any games, better find some tickets soon because there are only two series left at the Nat. Now, each of those series are six-game series, so there's six 12, game 12 games remaining at Nat Bailey Stadium. The Seas are pushing for a playoff spot, but no guarantee of that. I'm looking at the schedule right now. Uh, so there's a six-game uh, set that starts with Hillsborough tonight that runs all the way until uh, Sunday. Saturday is a fireworks extravaganza night. Extravaganza! The weather is still supposed to be good this week and hot, so get out to Nat Bailey Stadium to watch your seas because before you know it, the summer's going to be over, baseball at Nat Bailey Stadium is going to be over, and then it's going to rain for six months. Yes. <laughs> Can't wait. Very excited for this. Give us a mook. You're one of the... Oh, oh. Oh, okay. ah. are you one of those hate summer just waiting for the fall? People? August is my least favorite month, and I love October. It's my most favorite month. Yeah, yeah September hockey. and October are the oh, best. The best, best weather. Yeah. You got hockey starting. You got Halloween. It's the best. Mm. I don't hate summer. Halloween. Oh, Andy, it's the God, best. I love you. Yeah, it's the best. I'm a big thir- Halloween guy. I forgot that you're 13 years old. Dude, That's right. <laughs> Halloween is my 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 jam. I love it. Yeah, I am so excited every year for Halloween more than Christmas. Do you and your wife? Yes. Like, are you a? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if it pertains to Halloween, the answer is yes. Are you are you are you like the couple on Modern Family that just like gets really into it? Really into it from October first to October thirty first. We, we got the horror movie nights every night. We do got you the do candy. couples costumes? We have. It's been a while, but yes, we have. You do have a bit of a Phil Dunphy vibe, actually. <laughs> He's got a youthful exuberance. Some say naivete, but I'll say exuberance for the radio. How much like it? I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> it makes you weak, that's all. It just makes you weak. I actually love the fall. The only thing that, that I don't like about the fall is the thoughts of it's 
gonna suck soon. Yeah, there's gonna suck soon. Yeah, yeah that's fair. I you feel like you're in a desperation mode to enjoy like, don't all be, the don't time. Don't get me wrong. Outside. I like summer, but by August, I'm kind of done with the heat. I'm like, okay, two months is good, but by the time August hits, I'm like, okay. I'm yeah. still not. I'm still not ready to embrace it. I believe that comes with age. The older you get, like, ah, it's too hot. And I just get back to the fall. Uh, but like the, the best, one of the best nights I had during my vacation was at the Nat. You know what we actually did is we just got tickets and then stood at the very last row of the metallic bleachers in yep. left field. Mm-hmm. I just stood the whole game mm-hmm. and ate like nine billion sunflower seeds and drank beers because we were so thirsty. Were you spitting them into a cup at least? Yeah. Just spitting them on the ground yeah, like, around you, the people in front of you. Yeah, hitting what other I, people. Yeah, what am I, a savage? Someone that I was with did that. I'm like, dude, you can't spit sunflower seeds yeah. on the ground. The lady gonna... in front of you has got it in her hair. Yeah, or... I'm like, sorry. We just, no, you got a cup. Yeah. And it was the best. It was, do you know, it was such a good night. Such a good night. Do you know there are savages that will um, eat sunflower seeds on the golf course and spit them out on the greens and stuff like that? And you yeah. follow around. It's just like, what are you guys doing? That's that's pretty gross on the greens, right? Because, yeah. I mean, I can understand if you're, like, in some rough and the, the grass is tall and you get yeah. a sunflower seed. But the greens is like you're bending down to mark your ball. There's a little bit of a closer interaction yeah, with like, it. This is, this is a very important putt for double bogey. I, and I don't want the sunflower seed to get in the way. Exactly, right? Now, um, are there a lot of sunflower seed chewers in golf? I, I don't no, play a lot. I don't think so. It's a rarity. Yeah, I don't okay. think you'll see that. Not a big crossover. They, no, they no. just they just sneak into the bushes for a smoke. That's yeah, the kind well, of I was gonna say, or thing. they or they dip. I've seen that. Yeah, I got a lipper in there. Yeah. Do you know anyone that chews tobacco regularly? No. Oh man, it is something else. Let me tell you. You do? Uh, I did. Yeah, wow. yeah. It was uh, a friend of a friend was housing, uh, billeting hockey players for the summer, and all of them, especially the guys from the prairies, they right. chew all the time, but. They carry around the Gatorade bottle as a spitter. And then for some reason, don't throw it out. Right. They just put the lid back on and throw it under their bed. They're never going to use it again. Is that the grossest habit? It's it's up there. Yeah. There are a lot of gross habits. Yeah. I played basketball with a guy that used to chew and he would like- While he was playing basketball? He's like, I've had a lipper in before while I was playing basketball. Yeah. What what if he takes a hard foul or something I felt like he had done it enough that he knew how to control everything about it. The saliva- he just all sprays it all over his, it, it the was, guy he's guarding. It was it was a tiny little bit. Yes. It was never an issue, right? <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, there's a there's a multitude of things involved with chewing that are like not great. All right, uh, give us some moo cow on How whatever did that, that start? was. Oh, it started with your love of Halloween and ended up with chewing tobacco. Yes, nice as you want to do. Okay, what's your what we learned? Uh, Tim Hortons has pizza now. Yeah, I saw that. That was my I couldn't believe it. I was like, really pizza at Tim Hortons? I'm nothing against Tim Hortons. And I love pizza. It just seems like an odd marriage. Yeah, like why don't you fix the stuff you already have? It isn't any good <laughs> as opposed to going out and why trying don't you to put caffeine in your coffee first. Yeah, Start I from don't. There. I I feel like when is this happening? It's apparently already happened. I've yeah. been seeing videos on uh, Twitter of uh, people eating Tim Hortons pizza. Tim Hortons pizza. Pizza, yeah. yes. Yeah. I don't... Meanwhile, McDonald's is just sitting there on a gold mine. No McPizza. Oh, speaking of that, did they you? Used have... to. Sorry. For... I know. It was amazing. First off, do you have anything you want to add to the Tim Hortons th- dialogue? Just figure out everything else before you get into pizza. Pizza's tough. As we transition to McDonald's, I saw yesterday that McDonald's is about to launch a Big Mac, but with McChicken patties in it. So there's this- Oh, they just want the Big Mac sauce on it, probably? No, there's like a chicken sandwich fast food war going on. Oh, yeah. Right? It's It's raging. Chick-fil-A and Popeye's and everyone's kind of lined up to get like their sick 
yeah. chicken sandwich out the door. And McDonald's has kind of been stagnant because right. the McChicken is there, but it's nothing we new. We got a McChicken. We know what we like. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so the marketing executives were like, what if? What if we had like a Big Mac McChicken? Because that's all it is, right? It's just relaunching a, something that everyone's eaten before. Wait, is there meat in it too, or is it just chicken? Just chicken. Okay. I would order that. I would order See? that. I would try that. You've got a new customer on the horizon. It's hard. The meat with the chicken, you mean? The combo? Or just the chicken? Just the chicken. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no. I don't. Meat and well, chicken. I've tried the combo too. I mean, <laughs> can I why get not, both? Right? Is there an answer for both? I would say if I'm at uh, a bar or pub and they have burgers. I would say right now I'm at 75% of the time I will choose like the crispy chicken sandwich option. It's hot right now. Yeah. The hot Nashville sandwich is like everyone's got one now, mm-hmm. right? You Every, kinda, everyone's got one. You have to have one. It kind of feels like, I mean, that's, I mean, that's kind of how that industry works, right? Is your, I, I understand that McDonald's has been around forever, but at the same time, they've got to constantly like adjust to what all these other restaurants are doing. Now with more lettuce. Yeah, exactly. It's like right? the uh, it's like the Simpsons the the doll. What's her name? The she's got a hat now. <laughs> oh, uh, Malibu Stacy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But she's got a new hat. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, like that's the thing. Um, back to Tim Hortons is when there was like that visceral reaction from its core quote unquote fan base yeah. when they started expanding into all these different avenues and ventures, right? When they started offering like Beyond Meat mm-hmm. and now they're doing pizza. And well, it- back in the day, didn't they get bought out by Burger King or something like that? And they completely yeah. changed their menu. Because I remember when I was a kid, there was a Tim Hortons by myself that used to have this chili and a bread bowl, which was like an amazing concept that as a child. That was a Tim Hortons thing. It was so good. You and everyone ch- loved it. You eat the chili, then you eat the bowl. <laughs> yeah, What right. a concept. And now, it's, and now it's gone. Yeah. But that's the thing is that I think when they were purchased- Burger King assumed that people were so loyal to the brand that you could throw anything in front of them and they just consume it because yeah. they love Tim Hortons. And Tim Hortons reminds me a, a bit of the CFL. Like they are always going too far that out is of a range. Great comparison. Too far out that, of range out of their core and it's just like stick to the Canadian that stuff. That is a great That's comparison. Your key stuff. The the Tim Hortons is the CFL. Yeah. Yeah. Like pizza is people yeah. over more fi- people over fifty love people it. Are- <laughs> <laughs> Old people love reading newspapers in each of them. <laughs> Oh, oh my God! Okay, we're never getting a All CFL right. guest again. No, no. yeah, we will. <laughs> like Tim Hortons, they'll just change. Well, is that why Tim Hortons got the Tim Beebs going? Because they're trying to get a young, younger demographic. <laughs> you think? Probably, I would assume. <laughs> Do you think that was a ploy to get the youths in the door? <laughs> you don't think it was actually like he just really loved their their products and they just really loved him? Okay, we got to get to the the Dunbar Lumber text line. Um, <laughs> Table saw James, what we learned. So Brady doesn't want to retire and spend all his time as family time, but he'll skip out on training camp for family time. I'm not sure anyone's explained what retirement actually is to Tom Brady. Yeah, there's story there's story there's I feel like there's just something there. Whether it's it is just uh Tom Brady is working through some personal issues with his family, which is fair enough. We see people have uh family issues and and leave the team to to deal with those. Not all of them go to the Bahamas to deal with them. Some of them just stay in town to deal with them. Um, but I don't know. It just it, It's just off that he would just miss training camp. And the, the, the excuse is like, uh, I, I went to the Bahamas. I'll say this. It's fair to question his relationship with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers franchise right now. Right? Because he retired. And then when they made their shifts with like Bruce Arians moving yeah. on, he returned. Mm-hmm. And then there was all those reports about how he's trying to orchestrate a trade or a move to Miami where he become like part owner, the bizarre situation there. Right. 
And then he takes 11 days off in the middle of training camp. Like, I feel like there's something there. It's just, you have no idea. You don't really like yeah. it's because it, it's so guarded and he does have a very, he is such a charmingly handsome man. Mm-hmm. He has a way of just kind of laughing it off. But I told you that I met Tom Brady once here. Year like this was like just no, on the, you never told me that. Yeah, it's just on the precipice of when he was becoming Tom Brady. He was still either dating or married to Bridget Moynihan. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah. she was in a movie and she was at the Sutton place and I was the graveyard security guy there. That was a high point in my life. Um you don't realize like he is the prototypical, like all like he's six four mm-hmm. practically, and he's like he looks like he's out of like a gap or GQ ad. So he looks a bit like me. Right. I was like, is that Jason? No. <laughs> It's Tom Brady. Um, but he's like... This he's, is what Jason sees in the mirror every morning when he looks. Like, yeah. I'm like, God, you're Tom Brady. <laughs> like, to, compared to NFL players, Tom Brady is not an overly physical specimen. No, but... Put it, Tom Brady in the general populace, and you're like, oh my put God. Put him next to the graveyard security guy at the Sutton Place <laughs> Hotel. He's wearing a suit that's three sizes too big for him, because there was just generic suits. They didn't fit you for a graveyard security suit. I don't know if you're, there was no tailor working so overtime. So what was your meeting like with him? Oh, I just I was like, hey, Tom Brady. I blurted it out, which you're not <laughs> supposed to do. And he was cool because I don't said think. said the quiet part of that and the loud part of the <laughs> And I, I, he was cool because I don't, I, like I said, it was so long ago that he was just kind of at the, I mean, it won a Super Bowl. But he wasn't like the Tom Brady na- that he is now, right? And, hey, it's Tom hey, Brady. Tom, no, I said, hey, Tom Brady. He's like, oh, hey, how's it going? He's like, okay. yeah. Yeah. It is. Uh, David from Surrey, what we learned. I learned that Albert Pujols is making a strong run for 700 home runs, and I'm here for all of it. Yeah, what's he up to, 693 now? The kind of cool if he gets a 700. Cardinals are the hottest team in baseball. It ripped off eight straight Has wins. he said he's done after this season? No. I. At this point, he's hitting – I mean, it's not great, but it's well enough he's been hot over, over this win streak for sure. Um I feel like he'll probably get to 700, right? He's at 693. And then it really becomes, can you legitimately pass bonds? Mm-hmm. Because I think there's a large section, a cross-section of baseball enthusiasts and purists that are like, please. Please do it. Please do it. Yeah. And I do wonder if he'll get propped up from, God, now I'm really going down the conspiracy. This will be good for my Truth Social account, my conspiracy mm-hmm. theory. He'll be propped up Making by- Making social media great again? <laughs> By a num- <laughs> he'll be propped up by a number of um, influences within Major League Baseball to keep going. I like it. Uh, Gonzo from Delta, what we learned. I learned that a Yankees fan made a drinking straw out of a hot dog wiener to drink beer. Yeah, I saw this. Yeah, I didn't disgusting. see it, but I heard about it. Why was yeah. it disgusting? Why would you think it's not? Well, you're having a dog and a beer. So right? your immediate thought is, you know what? I'm going to put a straw through the middle of this and use it as the straw. I mean, I almost likened it to, you know how some of those beers have like a salty finish? Sure, to them, but right? not a hot like dog taste. Salt. Hot dogs are salty. Dog yeah, and a beer. Beer isn't going to taste like the hot dog. I feel like he's just out there living his life, man. <laughs> just leave him alone. Making a hot dog straw like no one else was doing it. This guy's probably checking Twitter later just be like, oh my God. He, In a way, he's an innovator. Yes, I like how he's he's just sitting by himself too. Yeah, he's not trying to impress saying- anyone. A lot of people were saying that was like a social media plant. Probably. Or yeah, probably. It was like, lines. remember those two girls that brought a jar of mayonnaise and were eating it with a spoon? Do you remember those two? Oh, yeah. 
That is, I don't know what that was for, but that ended up being a plant. I oh, it was a plant for the mayonnaise company or something? I don't even think it was. I think it was them trying to go viral. The spoon company? A lot of the kiss cams <laughs> are plants. Like you, a lot of teams, like you'll go on their career pages and they'll be hiring for that exact job. Do you remember the girl from the uh, U.S. Open tennis uh, that was dipping chicken tenders in a ice-cold Coca-Cola? Vaguely. Yeah. And then she was like, that's how I've always eaten them. <laughs> That's how I grew up eating Yeah, them. right? I was born a chicken tenders dipping in Coke person, and I'll die the same. Yeah, I that one last night, though, I'm, I'm a big fan of that guy. What is so. the weird... I mean, this is more of an Ask Us Anything Friday question. I, maybe should be... What's the weirdest thing you enjoy eating? Like, the weirdest food combo? Oh, we've done this before. Oh, I know. Damn. I You have one, don't you? I, I'm trying to think. Off the top of my head, nothing comes to my mind, but then again, everything... I eat might be weird to people, so who knows? Okay, I've give got me... one. What? It's not. I don't know if it's weird, but we will be the judges of that. <laughs> popcorn and chocolate chips. No, that's good. I don't like that because they have popcorn with M and M's in them now, which is like one of my favorite snacks. <laughs> you don't say. Really good. <laughs> a snack be fit for a child is one of your favorite. <laughs> is what you're saying? Yeah, no, uh, I get that. Halford, you're 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 aware that Albert Pujols will actually retire. He said, I'm still going to retire no matter whether I end up hitting 693, 697, 700. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. But you, you said, I asked you, Yeah, is he, has he announced that he's going to retire? Oh, and you said sorry, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm, my, I'm anticipating he's not going to retire. I know he said it. But my, he's hitting the ball well enough over the, the last little bit. And again. Oh, you he, just don't believe him. I just don't believe him. Okay. Yeah, sorry. I guess I should have made that a little is, bit is more Is he clear. a known liar in the sports world? I mean, we just finished talking about Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady retired, and then a month later, he's like, God, this sucks. I'm going to go back and do that thing where I'm awesome at it. I don't know. And I I mean, again, I was kind of half poking fun at, like, I got theories, conspiracy theories, right? right? Okay. Um, and one of them is that he will be egged on by certain influential members of baseball to please continue this chase. So, that What is know- the Barry Bonds record? Uh, I don't have it in front of me. Okay. Can you give me a minute? No. No. Uh, Kevin on the road. What we learned, solo parenting is hard. I've been taking care of my two young kids for five days now while my wife is away on business. I think Uncle TV will be adopting my kids soon. Yeah, Uncle TV is a great parent. And I'm talking alone right now because Mike is Googling the Barry Bonds record. 762. So Yeah, okay, he's not catching that. Come on. He could do two, th- no, two no, years. He, of, two, no, he could do no, two more seasons no. of 30 home run no, ball. He can't. He's not. He won't. How old is he now? Google Pujols? that up. Uh, Pu- oh, Pujols yeah. is... Uh, no, Barry Bonds. 42. Yeah, Pujols. he's not doing that. Come sure. on, man. Sure. No, no chance. No chance. You know what? It's None. the naysayers like you yeah. that don't make these movements move forward. Okay. What other things do you believe in that they're feeding you? You know them. They. How about you flag of what we learned for once oh, in your lifetime? Oh, I got something. Lifetime? Sorry. I thought we were doing something here. Give me a minute. How about I do one? Oh, no, no, no. Here's the one. I had this flag from earlier. Hashtag WWE, what we learned. I was talking about how Drance is the um, fantasy football commission the league I just joined. Hashtag WWE, unsigned. It's from Gary. I would roll your guys' fantasy football teams. Hopefully, Mondays, we can talk fantasy on the show. Never going to happen. No, never. The, talking about your fantasy team, we often joke about this. Awful. When we used to work at- It's like uh, talking about your golf game on the air. Yeah, or like bad beats As that you like had in poker. Rough. Yeah, <laughs> I don't talk about it. No, you don't about talk about You've it. You've gotten better. You're, yeah, yeah, that's true. What do you mean, gotten better? Well, I've there never were done it. there were times at the <laughs> old station. Uh, if he was asked, he would tell, but he wouldn't go out of his way to tell this stories. Is, this is true. These this is all true. these stories 
Fantasy football. Dom's Bad. fault because he's always like, what did you shoot? Right. I'm like, I'm not <laughs> talking about it. Fantasy, uh, any fantasy team. But if I just rolled in that birdie putt on 13. Now look what you did. Now he's <laughs> going. Uh, fantasy, any fantasy sports team, any bad beat you suffered in online poker, uh, any any individual anecdote which really only pertains to you yeah. and no one else can relate to it. Like I don't. I'm sure there are like guys that care about what their fantasy team is. I don't. It doesn't matter to me. Like I'm not in your league. Yeah. I don't like know. Have, have, let me tell, let me ask the people out there that might talk about their fantasy football teams to other people. Have you ever? received uh like a response from the person you're talking to that has them remotely interested in what you're talking about oh yeah and then what and happened then what? with Devontae Adams and did you bench him like what are there any ever any follow-up questions to that that aren't like a throwaway mm-hmm. or you know like or like oh that's interesting unless the which person means you're talking isn't. to is in the league with you they probably hate you. Exactly. For talking to them in the first place. About That's that. what it is. Yeah. It's, it's just, just like, stop. No, I don't care about your fantasy league. But we have all we always get people chiming in. They're like, could you guys do like a fantasy hockey or like the hockey pool guys? They're like, can you do? Because, you know, when we were working at NBC, a lot of that was covering the league uh, in its entirety and then doing like Roto World stuff, right? right? Where you're just getting all the information out there. Because there are those guys that are, and it, the with the rise in gambling and then the crossover, now you can gamble on fantasy lineups, right? So... I get that there's a market for that, but I just find it super arcane and really not uh, energy. It, it's it's individualized. It doesn't work to speak to the collective. Now, what works to speaking to the collective is talking about Tim Hortons. Yes. Because as soon as we started doing it, boom, text message in basket loaded with responses. It's like talking about gas prices. Canadian institution. Everyone gets it. Jamie, the former train engineer. Timmy's is the CFL. Best comparison I've heard in a very long That's time. One of the best things you've ever said on the radio. Yeah, because Timmy's keeps trying to be something that it's not, right? When in reality, it should just focus on its core. Now, the problem for Tim Hortons is that, like the CFL, it still wants to grow. So how do you grow while still just being ultra Canadian? Are we getting played <laughs> off here? <laughs> I never look at the clock anymore. I'm like, what's music playing for? Andy, some <laughs> sort of drop mid-segment. No, it's 8.54. Yeah. Okay, uh, thank you all for writing in with your What We Learns and everything else. Sorry we didn't get to a lot of them, but that's kind of how we do things here on the Halford & Bruff Show. We got to get out of here for today, but we will be back tomorrow. Leaner, you're done, right? That's it? Two-day run? I'm back all next week, but you won't be. Yeah, that's right. Dom's in Wednesday and th- through Friday. Dom's back. Wow, Dom's everything is back. happening here. That's why you have to tune in. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Signing off. I have been Mike Halford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog. She's been Leaner. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.